When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to Conversations with Annalisa Barbieri. That's me. Hello. I'm a broadcaster and journalist, and I also write an advice column. Whenever I research my pieces, I get to speak to various highly knowledgeable experts, and I always come off the phone buzzing with everything I've learnt. These conversations usually happen in private and have to be cut down in order to fit my word count. But here, for the first time, you have a chance to listen to the sort of conversations we have in much more detail and depth. Today I really wanted to talk about listening and how important it is, mostly about how important it is listening to each other, but also about how important it is to listen to ourselves. I came from a big Italian family and nobody listened to each other. Everyone was busy shouting and I observed that no one was listening. They were just waiting for the other person to stop talking so they could start and I didn't really feel that listened to. So many people have never really questioned their listening skills, but they might have a friendship or a partnership or a marriage where they just feel they're saying the same things over and over again, but it's not going in, it's not changing anything, and they don't feel listened to. Maybe you want to become a better listener, either for yourself, for your partner, or your children. The person I most wanted to speak to about this was a psychotherapist. He's called Chris Mills. He specialises in couples and he's very good at listening to both sides of an argument and giving practical everyday solutions. Chris, you and I have spoken many times over the 12 years that I've written my Guardian column and I suppose really if I had to say what the common denominator of most of my problems was, it's communication. Usually people not listening, becoming very defensive. As you know, when we become defensive, we are entrenched in our own position and we stop listening. And, and I suppose really it all comes down to that communication between two people, possibly more. And so the reason I wanted to do this was I think listening is so important my family in England was small, but in Italy, there was, it was so big. And what I was a great observer as a child, and what I observed was, it was like sort of 10 radios at the table, all <laughs> stuck on transmit, and nobody listening to the other. There would be the occasional waiting for a gap so that they could start talking, but nobody was taking anything on. And I remember thinking, gosh, <laughs> what's the point of this? <laughs> so listening is really important, isn't it? It is really important, yeah. I mean, it would be interesting too, wouldn't it, to explore what the point of your Italian family 
all talking at the same time is and I think there is some comfort in it I think I think there are people who find that very reassuring the idea that the airspace is absolutely full and there's no room for anything to go wrong you know it's kind of yes it's, it's absolute kind of noise but yes I think listening to other people being listened to being heard being understood yeah they're hugely important one of the things I used to do actually as a child if people weren't listening was I used to grab their chin and point it towards me as a way of making them listen which I think is a really genius thing to do but it was a, such a direct way of saying can you please listen to me because I think I spotted that there was not a lot of listening going on but it's so important because it, it tells us who we are doesn't it if you can bounce off somebody and I'm always amazed by how little people listen how little they learn about another person when they've left them yeah is that and your in, experience in when you when you have couples in therapy say in therapy you know you were saying it's all about communication what i've always said is in therapy people come to see me because they have a problem with relationships which is, is essentially the same thing it might be a relationship with somebody else um it might also be a relationship with themselves you, you know with their own self if their own self has never been listened to properly and so you know their, their relationship with the world is kind of coming from a particular view it's always certainly in couple therapy it's always something to do with attempts at communication that have failed because people do not feel understood they don't feel they don't feel understood or even if they do feel understood they don't feel cared about enough for any change to have happened mm. how might that have affected them well, it would mean that they wouldn't expect to be listened to. It would mean that they might be fairly desperate and very lonely and very closed in. And it's interesting for me as a therapist because encountering those people for the first time, what I'm offering them, which is a space to, to express themselves, in which I'm offering, you know, my offer is I will listen to you. I will really listen to you. And I'm really interested in finding out about you. To some people that is, you know, it's like, it's addictive. I mean, they can't quite believe it's on mm -hmm. offer. And, and it's very seductive. People, it's hugely seductive and some people can't even use it to begin with. You know, I mean, it's a bit like putting a toddler in a playpen that's way, 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 way too big. So mm. it's frightening. It's what do you mean they can't, they can't, what do they, how does that manifest? They're kind of somewhat traumatised by it because actually they're not good at dealing with that amount of undisturbed positive attention that is aimed entirely at them. Do they aimed feel exposed, perhaps? Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Exactly that. Yeah. And they feel inadequate because remember, you know, they probably felt inadequate from the start anyway, because they didn't feel as if they had an identity that was particularly valued by anyone. So, you know, that that sense of um, of of being exposed really kind of comes from that it's a bit like you know if I start speaking presumably everything I say is just going to be complete crap and then this person who's offering me this wonderful thing is no longer going to be interested in me and I can't mm. deal with it you know it's very anxiety provoking and when you do get couples and they've stopped listening to one another which I see happening a lot mm. how can you help them start listening again or maybe for the first time I teach them and I try and do it without shaming them because very often the people who I would see have been together for years and years and years. They've been together for a very long time. So they both have this idea that they know each other. Very often they don't really know each other because there are all sorts of bits of the people that they are that have never really been shared or expressed in the relationship. And they will talk in a kind of, I mean, you know, I know that you've come across this so, so very often in the letters that you receive. There's a kind of shorthand 
that goes between the couple, and it's a deeply inaccurate one. It's based on the idea that they think they know what the other one means, mm -hmm. and they actually don't. So sometimes when I teach them, I first of all have to stop them talking over each other. It sounds very aggressive, doesn't it? I try and do it as unaggressively as I mm. possibly can. I can't I just... imagine you being aggressive. <laughs> well, I just try and describe to them what I see happening, and I suggest mm. to them that maybe there's a different way, and shall we try it, you know? And, and and one of the great exercises too, and many many couples therapists use this. Um, they will say, you know, how about how about you listen to her for a few minutes? I'll keep time, and then I'll ask you to say what you've heard. And there are some people who find that incredibly difficult to actually say what they've heard, rather than what they think about what they think they've heard. If you know what I mean. In it which be... way do they find it difficult? I've heard of this exercise, and I think it's mm. great, and I've tried it, and actually what people hear and what I've said are two different things and I think I'm quite a good communicator but why do some people find it difficult to repeat back what they've heard rather than what they think they've heard? It's anxiety and I think it's largely because they themselves haven't been really very well listened to so they're not relaxed they're looking for an interpretation and they're looking for an interpretation that will keep them safe that will keep their own narrative safe they're not doing it necessarily just to be perverse they're not doing it to be aggressive they just kind of feel under threat and you know very often if you say to somebody so what did you hear and they don't really have much idea because they did they couldn't really take it in they're then going to be quite defensive so so teaching people to listen isn't like a one-off you know it isn't let's do this and in five minutes mm. time you'll know how to do it it's something that you have to keep going back to and I, you know i have to do that in a way that's going to be the least traumatizing for them so that they will be ready and want to go back to it and the great thing is when people start getting results you know the partner who has been listened to i would say to him or her at the end okay how did he or she do you know was there anything significant that they missed and what was it so there's a kind of joining up of the dots that goes on between them and after a while between them it can get quite fun it's sort of a bit like they're playing a game together and once they stop sort of blaming each other for the bits that have gone wrong or the bits that dropped through the net they actually begin to quite enjoy it and also it's a relief you know when people get to the point of thinking that's what I thought you were saying and I now know that oh my god I was wrong and I've been wrong for 20 years you know it can it can be quite exciting what did you mean by sometimes people are looking for an interpretation that will keep them safe yeah that's a big one isn't it I mean what I really mean by that is that I think people who haven't been very well listened to haven't been very well heard is they're constantly creating a narrative about what the world is and the narrative that they're building it on is usually on quite limited evidence because there isn't enough of a kind of flow between them and other people for them to be open to picking up lots of information from people that may be contrary or different from what they previously believed. Mm -hmm. So people's narratives get very kind of narrow and they want to hang on to them because it's your narrative, it's our story individually that keeps us safe. We feel uncomfortable at the idea of it being challenged and of us then maybe looking like an idiot you know, or looking like somebody who can't think. I think, you know, I suspect, I don't know, I'm going to be sexist for a minute. I think men struggle with that more than women do. Because okay. I think I, I think men really value the idea that they can think things through and they can come to a logical and sensible conclusion. So the listening exercise for men, in my experience, is generally, it's, it's more difficult. They, that When they get good at it, they love it. But I think women take to the idea of it generally more easily than men do. 
it's actually quite uncomfortable for people to let new information in because yeah. even though they might be unhappy, I've definitely learned over the years that people are comfortable with what they know. Mm. And even if something might move them forward, I always think of it a bit like a cliff face. You found a ledge, you're <laughs> out, you, you might risk death, but you're safe in that moment. But if you move, even though it might get you off the cliff face, you might also fall and people like to stay stuck there and they can find new information really challenging. The other thing that I've seen between people, usually couples, is that they don't listen because they kind of say, oh, not that old thing again. And they don't ever yes. look at it anew. It's It's been filed in their brain. How can someone help get over that? Yeah, oh, it's that old chestnut again. You know, It's a way of putting it down. It's a way of making it look like it's kind of insignificant or it's something silly. And that, I think, is, is a kind of, uh, it's a pride thing because... The, the reason the old chestnuts keep coming back is because they were never resolved in the first place. And it probably means that the couple have never found a way of dealing with that thing, or they've never found a way of expressing it in a way that the other one understands it, or they, they just don't have any faith that between them they can take it forward. So they kind of shovel it under the rug and regard it as something stupid that the other one is just causing. So again, you know, in, in my practice, I've had many, many occasions where Somebody might have said, for example, to their partner, I feel so angry with you. You always said that you would be there for me. And I kind of jump in at that point and I say, they said they would always be where for you. When? What, what does that actually mean? And then they start going all flustering and go, well, um, blah, 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 blah. And they realise, and this is seriously the case, very often that neither of them has a clue what it means. Mm. It's, just been, it's just been something that has... That said... <laughs> that's said and that's sort of been hung over them like a threat um, and it becomes a kind of catch-all for all sorts of other problems which never really get defined and actually sometimes when you start looking at even those very simple kind of turns of phrase like you said you would always be there for me if you then start saying well okay given that we don't really know what that means what would you like it to mean what would you really like that to mean what would that actually look like mm. and then suddenly so almost update it well, update it or even start it from scratch, you know, kind of reboot it and define it because it clearly means something at an emotional level. It's got, you know, it's, it's got real agency at an emotional level. And sometimes to then redefine what that is with both members of the couple, again, suddenly it can be something that they're both really enjoying. And we can't make somebody listen to us, can we? Well, you did. When you were a kid, you were very good. You grabbed them by the chin and forced them to look at you. I'm impressed. I moved their head, Chris. I don't, I don't know if they were listening to me. All I did was move their head. Whether they actually listened is a whole other thing. But we can't really, can we? No, we can't really make They don't people. want to listen. No, but I think, I'll tell you what I think is interesting about that is that I think people who have been, lucky people, you know, who have been listened to, who have had very good experiences of being listened to, are then quite interesting themselves to listen to. And in a strange kind of way, they're quite good at attracting that kind of attention. Um, I mean, I think also there are some people who have not been listened to at all, who then do it in a much more, you know, they force themselves on people, they force themselves to be heard. But I think people, How do they do that? Well, you only have to look at politics. You know, from what you were saying in, uh, in in your own family, we know that you, Annalisa, if you were a world leader, 
you clearly would be a Democrat because you have no desire to to run a totalitarian system where you're not listening to what anybody else says. Mm. Because for you, being listened to is so vitally important. You would be a Democrat in the true sense of, you know, as a leader, you would be wanting your people to tell you what they want you to do in order to govern them properly. You wouldn't simply be wanting to shut them up and telling, you know, saying all your ideas are the best ideas and anybody who doesn't agree with me is going to be locked up. I mean, it's it's good to look at politics. It's good to look into, into public life, I think. There's always plenty going on that will illustrate what individual small relationships, you know, the relationship that you have at home, the relationship that I have at home, what they are a microcosm of, because human nature is kind of the same wherever you catch it. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I think we all like talking about ourselves, but I really love hearing about other people. I already know about me. So, I mean, it's one of the reasons I loved therapy. I loved talking, but I loved hearing somebody else's opinion about things that I was struggling with. And when I go into a conversation, I like to leave that room knowing more about the person than when I went in. That to me is, otherwise, what's the point? No, I know not everyone's like that. I think I'm just quite greedy for information. We're not really listening. We're waiting for a gap when they stop talking and then we'll tell them what we would do. I would do this or you should do that. And I read about the sort of the shift support response in conversation. An example of that would be if somebody said, I've had a really bad day at work. My boss made me do this a thousand times. And I said, yes, 
that's exactly what happened to me last week. That will be shifting it onto me. And a more supportive response would be, gosh, that sounds really hard or what happened next? Just to kind of prompt her to help them tell you the rest of it. And I realized that I actually, even though I think I'm a good listener or I try to be, I did the shift thing quite a lot. And actually thinking back, that used to drive me mad as a child. If I said <laughs> I had a headache and someone said, I had one too, I've got a worse headache. It's it's actually quite, I can, I can still feel the shutters coming down, thinking, well, there's no point because your headache's always going to be bigger and better than mine. I think there are real subtle subtleties in the shift response thing, because what I think as a parent you don't want to become is your children's quasi-therapist. And I think actually, you know, I've worked on this with people sometimes in the past. If somebody comes in and says, oh God, I've had a terrible day, this happened, that happened, blah, 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 blah. There are going to be times when, certainly speaking for myself, I don't, I don't want to have that conversation because I've got a whole load of stuff of my own, which is also swimming around in my head and I'm very preoccupied by it. And I think as a parent, sometimes we can feel that we've somehow got to go into this kind of, I've got to be a listener and force ourselves to listen to something that we haven't actually in that moment got the space for. And I think there's something slightly inauthentic about that. I think a relationship is better developed. It's very counterintuitive for a lot of people to do this, but I think a relationship develops better if we can kind of say, oh, gosh, you know, darling, that sounds awful. That sounds really terrible. Right now, I can't really have this conversation. Can we have it after supper? Because then I will be able to give you a much better quality of attention. Just park it. We'll come back to it. And I think that's a very important thing to learn how to do because it's very relational. Because actually, you know, if you're going to listen to somebody else, or indeed, if you're going to tell your story to somebody else, both people have to be ready to do that. Both, be, you know, the person who's who's being asked to give space needs to have the space to give. And sometimes we don't. Definitely started doing yes. that more. I say sometimes I, I can't concentrate now, tell me later. And I always make sure I go back to them because I've also learned that a parent who is always available never really is. If you're, right. you know, if you don't look after yourself and if you don't make time for yourself, I think that's so important too, because if you are always, as it were, in inverted commas, available, as you absolutely rightly said, you're not really available. What you're doing ultimately, and everybody begins to realise this, is you're doing something for yourself. You're really nursing your own anxiety or your own sense of guilt. And actually, it's you're you're displaying an extremely good sense of self if you say, yes, I really want to talk about this. Let's fix a time. Um, I can't do it right now because you're not trying to be everybody's saviour in that moment. You know, you're kind of, you're not pandering to your inner rescuer that says, I must be there for everybody whenever they want me. You're doing something for yourself then, actually. You're not doing it for the other person. No, and we've all got friends and we may have been that person ourselves at times that sometimes you just, you feel like you've given blood when you've spoken to them and then you're not really being there for them and it's you just dread their phone calls so i think it's really important like you said to say you know either i can't do this now or if it's somebody that calls up just don't pick up don't feel you have to be a martyr and listen yeah. all the time it's you mm. you can choose when to listen so chris if you're in a relationship either a romantic one or you have a friend who you feel doesn't really listen but always expects you to listen what is there anything you can do about that i mean there's only so many times you could put off speaking to them or saying, you know, I haven't got the headspace now, because some people, <laughs> yeah. some people are a bit stuck on transmit, aren't they? So any advice about how to deal with that? Soon. 
<laughs> I mean, do it early. I think that's the thing. Talk about it. You know, find find a way of saying and and use. I know this is all a little bit cliched, and I say this so much, but use an I statement. I'm struggling a bit in our relationship because I feel like you know it tends to be a bit one way, and I'd like it to be a bit more like so and so. There's always therapists who will help you to figure out how to do that. I mean, I think one of the things is the the, the longer a pattern gets set in, certainly with friends, the harder it can be to change change that. it. I mean, yeah, you know, my sister said to me a while ago, I thought it was very sensible. She was talking about some friends that she's had for years and years and years and years. And she said, well, they're kind of a bit like family members. And she doesn't particularly challenge them anymore, any, any more than you would challenge, you know, your batty old uncle who sits in the corner and, you know, goes on and on and on about whatever, because you kind of, you decide that you're going to live with it. So I think if it's a relationship that's a really important friendship that you really, really value, I think those need working on. And I think if you find you can't work on it, that you feel kind of tongue-tied or, or gagged in some way, that you can't say what needs saying, it definitely needs some help. So that's why I mean soon, really. Say something yeah. soon. But you can say it, but they've got to do a bit of work. And I think there are always those people that sometimes take a bit more, but they might be friends, good friends in a different way. I mean, what I always say to people is maybe think about the medium where the, there's the most balance. Some people... Mm might find that's the phone or face to face they might be very different I always find it very hard to say what you suggest if I sense any kind of frailty in the other person I yeah, don't I, I, I don't feel that I can I kind of think well I can put up with this it's not the end of the world I really like what you're saying there about somebody being fragile you know and that you then you then identify yourself as the person who has to look after the one who's fragile what you're really referencing is a fragility in the relationship. And of course, actually, if you don't challenge it, then in a way, you make the other person more fragile. You know, if they are fragile, you keep them there. You don't do anything to help shift them. And, mm. and I think it is the case, you know, I think intuitively, I get what you're saying. And I feel exactly the same. I'm not very brave about that kind of stuff. But when I have challenged a friend or a, a colleague or whoever it's been, where our relationship has somehow got stuck, there often has been some kickback, you know, some quite nasty kickback to begin with. And then, 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 you know, if you can, if you can just hang in there, something much, much better happens. And the kickback, the sort of defensiveness that you might get initially, is almost like it's kind of... It's the growing pain, you know, it's the indicator of the growing pain. And then something does grow and something does change. I mean, I suppose the fear is that that relationship, that friendship may not survive. And I think that is a risk. I think that's always a risk. But if it does survive, it will then be on a much better footing. I think a lot of people would identify with what you're saying, that there's, there's, there's that moment of, oh, hello, God, I can't say anything because he or she will be really upset and uh, I'll just put up with it kind of thing. There was a great piece of advice that Philippa Perry gave me, which is when you're listening to someone, don't prepare your answer until they've stopped speaking. And I thought that was so good because actually I find that I do that quite a bit, especially when it's quite a hackneyed conversation, maybe with a partner. You think, oh, this, and you, you've got your answer prepared, waiting for that gap, and you don't really think about, you haven't listened. There's something competitive about it, isn't there? I mean, a, a conversation that works on that basis uh, has a sort of, let's see how much we can all say, you know, let's see how much we can all we, we can all throw in. And, and actually the best listeners, I think, very often are people who themselves are not terribly noisy. You know, they don't have a great compulsion to do a huge amount of the talking. They are very happy to be recipients. You know, it's their kind of default habit if you like that that's mm. that that's what they do mm -hmm.
what I think is so interesting in therapy is giving people the chance to talk and often for an uninterrupted period of time, they can actually hear themselves. That's yeah. a process I find really interesting. And sometimes people, you know, I've thought, oh, that was a great session I had with my therapist, but they haven't said anything. It's just I've heard myself. And I do think there is something about listening to yourself as well. I guess that's when people have arguments, they say, Are you, can you hear yourself? <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. And I, it's so funny because as a therapist, I very often long for my clients to tell me what a brilliant session they've had because of all my wise and sensible interventions and so on. And whenever anybody actually does say it was a good session, it's nearly always the one where I've said hardly anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. It's, honestly, it really, is, it really is the case. And the lovely examples too, are, you know, when a client will come in the following week and they will say, well, I did what you said. I, I, I spoke to my mum <laughs> and I said this and I did that. And I'm sitting there thinking, I never said any of that. I no, what you might have said is what would happen or how. Yeah, I, I totally recognise that. I think it's really hard to know if you're a good listener. I think if you don't know much about your friends, you haven't really listened. If you leave a room or a conversation and you think, what have I learnt? And the answer is nothing or very little, then you're, you've not been listening. I found out most about the inadequacies I have in listening when I've had to listen back to interviews I've done. And a lot of journalists say this, someone's about to say something and we've got so excited and we've interrupted them. I only knew that by replaying it. But I think in the really simple terms, think about what you know about your friends. How do they feel? What do they do when you last saw them? Gosh, whenever that is at the moment. But when you have a conversation, are you talking? Do you interrupt? We've talked a lot today about changing things and trying to change things. And I think that's really important. But, but going through a very self-conscious process of change can sometimes create oddness and anxiety, which I would be very much in favour of trying to move on from. Yet what I would really want to avoid is the idea that there is some kind of perfect listener, some kind of perfect exchange in which everybody is satisfied. I don't, I don't think we really need to achieve that. It's like we were saying, you know, you can get really excited in a conversation and you can talk over your friends and you can realise afterwards when you listen to the tape that you missed the vital moment. But I think if you're open to doing your best. It's, it's more about intention than it is about results. The gold is in the intention, if you know what I mean. I, I think it's really important to hold on to that because I think anyway, whatever we're doing, the more anxious we get, the less good we are at doing the thing that we're trying to do. It's paradoxical, but I think Yeah, that's but also, it it, yes, you're absolutely right. It makes you anxious. That's the opposite, really, of being receptive. I would say also, actually, be curious. So forget about listening as such but be curious and also I, I think if you're interested in a person you will naturally want to listen to them some people just aren't that interested in other people and that's fair enough you've got to be interested in yourself too I, I guess we're going to be even more skilled at listening to what other people are telling us if we're taking seriously listening to ourselves as well one of the therapists I spoke to one week said about a problem I was working on, but it really helped me with something. She said, sometimes we need to ask ourselves, what do you need? What do you need in that moment? And that's listening to yourself. And I do do that. And sometimes when I get stressed or whatever, I say to myself, what do you need? And often it's something that's completely achievable, but I just haven't yes. let myself do it. It's usually I want to sit on the sofa and watch some telly. 
So, <laughs> but that's it's quite... such a lo it's a lovely question, though, isn't it? I mean, if you say to somebody, you know, what do you need? What do you actually need? I mean, even if they say, I don't know, you know, it's still a lovely question to be asked, and well, they cause... get that cathartic moment of saying, I haven't, a, I haven't got a clue. It's a fantastic question too, isn't it? And it's such a simple and obvious one that we're all in very great danger of forgetting it. I would think. Thank you very much indeed, Chris, for yet another fantastic, interesting and informative conversation. How just leaving that little bit of silence after someone speaks enables me to not only absorb what they've said, but sometimes they carry on speaking about something else. It's really brilliant when talking to children. So I hope you found something in there that enables you to be a better listener and maybe think about how much you're listening to. The series is produced by Hester Kent, the music is by Toby Dunham, and our artwork is by Low Cole. Follow us on social media, on Instagram, at Pocket Annalisa, and we'd love to hear your suggestions for topics you'd like us to discuss on future podcasts. Please email us at conversationswithanalisa at gmail.com. If you enjoyed and benefited from today's episode, do please share it with someone else you think might find it useful. And it would mean a lot to us if you could give us a review on iTunes. Thanks so much for listening and do join us again. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, this is Annalisa. I started doing this podcast because it's an idea I really believe in. So much so that I decided to put my money where my mouth is and self-fund the project. I really want to keep releasing this podcast for free. So if you enjoy this episode, a way you can help is to visit our ACAST supporter page and give what you can. You'll find the link in the episode description. Thank you.